This show brought to you by Circle of Seven Productions, www.cosproductions.com. Please be sure to subscribe and welcome to our circle. Well, hello, everybody. This is Patricia W. Fisher with Readers Entertainment Radio, and it is, what, May 13th? So we are getting close to being in the middle of the year, but we're getting close to summer, and there's a whole lot of books out there that should be on your must-read list. Um, we are talking to an author today that you should absolutely add your enti- her entire catalog to your um, reading list if you haven't already, um, but I will give you a few books that you should probably check out. Um, there's a book called Wherever You Are, Be a Good One, and it's a, a really sweet book of quotes and love, beautifully illustrated. You have Emmanuel Acho just released his book, uh, Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Boy. But he also had Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man that he released but last October. And it really helps open up dialogue about systemic racism and discussions. And, you know, the, the, the thing is, if you don't know you have a problem or you don't know you have biases, um, even if you think they're generally harmless, it's probably a good idea just to talk talk very practically with someone else about things. Um, and it, how he really helps open good dialogue there, productive dialogue. We also have Priscilla Olivetis. Her book, Anchored Hearts, is out, and she was here last week. Um, Zio Axelrod has the book, The Girl with the Stars in Her Eyes. Both of those are second chance romances and super good. And then we also have Denny Bryce, who was um, Wild Woman in the Blues, which is a f- fictional, historical, uh, well, it's a, it's a modern day, it tells both back in 1925, the Jazz Age in Chicago, and then also present day. And it goes back and forth, and um, it's, it's amazing. So please do pick it up, um, and I think you will very much like it. Uh, but the person who's going to be here, who is here today, um, is Carly Bloom. And she's been here before, but it's been a bit, so I'm super excited to have her. Um, Carly Bloom began her writing career as a family humor columnist and blogger, and pers- a pursuit she abandoned when her children grew old enough to literally die from embarrassment. And to save their, del- their delicate lives, Carly turned to pinning steamy contemporary romances because nothing quite says not embarrassing your children than their mother writing saucy romance novels. The kind with bare- These are the kinds of books with bare chests on the cover, and Carly and her husband raised their mortified brood of offspring on a cattle ranch in South Texas. But her books have really caught the attention of a lot of people, including Entertainment Weekly, who stated, Carly's invented a place we want to hang our hat and kick up our spurs anytime she's got a story to tell. You can find her latest book, Must Love Cowboys, that's out now. And to connect with Carly, check her out at her website, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Goodreads, and BookBub. Welcome to the show, Ms. Carly. How are you today? I am doing great. Thank you. I've been looking forward to talking to you. I know it's been too long. It has, it has, and um, you know how it. You know now during the pandemic, it's like, wow, socialization, yay! <laughs> Woohoo! Yeah, they just released this afternoon that if you've been fully vaccinated, you are cleared to go without masks. And um, I know, I know. Yeah, but I'm still gonna get. I, I was telling I a friend that. of mine. I know. I'm gonna get a pen or a hat. Or something that says fully vaccinated because I, you know, yeah, I just want people to know that they're safe if I happen to sneeze. (laughs) Right. It's weird. You know, (laughs) I, I, I have mixed feelings about it, right? Because it's a little anxiety provoking now to, to go out into a crowd of 
people and well just going out into a crowd of people period but now yeah. to do it without a mask just yesterday i went um shopping with my daughter and we went to dsw and michael's and we went and got some boba tea and that was like a lot of like outdoor out kind of activity i mean outdoor like outside but like out in public activity right. for me for one day and um so now i and i have I was doing all that you know with my mask being all proud of myself for just being out and about and and i had no clue that like today they were like oh you don't even have to wear a mask so so i miss i have mixed feelings because I don't like wearing a mask. I, I admit it. It makes my glasses foggy. It's right. uncomfortable. But um, but I, I really um, understand the necessity and I feel like that is why we're not a whole lot worse off, you know, than we are because people have been wearing masks. Right. So. But, yeah, right. I mean, and I, and I hope there's and... things that stay like the extra cleaning. I mean, I know that's a, it's, it's a lot for people in service industry, Target, right. grocery stores, um, you know, and, and I know it's a lot. Um, but those extra things certainly kept people coming into the stores. And, and it would, I think it would be great if it continued because um, I don't really think people appreciate how gross everything is all the time. Right. Like yeah. all the time. Yeah. So I, and, I, I um, got very mindful of not touching things when I'd go in the store, because right? usually I'd be like, oh, let me, you know, slide my hand down the, the, the shelf and touch this and touch this. And I was literally like sidestepping with my hands at my side, like grabbing my pants, because the instinct <laughs> is to reach up and move it. And I was literally like trying to, you know, crane my neck around that jar is the one I want in the back. And, you know, um, because, it, you know, I wanted strawberry instead of you know, peach jelly or something. Um, yeah. So, but, yeah, because people sneeze and they cough and they touch stuff and then they don't think about it. And then, like, you know, ten minutes later they're in the grocery store and they touch this can. Oh, wait, I don't want that one. Let me put that one back. You know what I mean? It's like all this stuff that people just don't yeah. realize. It's gross. And I've, I've just really enjoyed not being sick for the past yeah. year. Yeah. Like, nobody in my household got sick. and. So yeah, there's parts there's parts of this that that I hope to continue. Mm-hmm. You know, overall, it's been so traumatic for so many people, and so many people have had, you know, loss of family and friends, yeah. and um, it's just been it's just been a surreal experience. And I kind of feel like, you know, I feel like here, you know, today we learned we can go out without masks, and then I'm listening to the news about India and, and just heartbroken. And it's just, it's just where it's crazy. It's a yeah. ton, it's too much almost to, to soak in. Oh. Yeah. Sometimes I do have to walk away from, I mean, I, it's not that I disengage in the sense of, okay, well, I can't handle this anymore. I'm done. It's okay. I just need to walk away from the news and the Twitter feed for just like a half a day or a few hours because yeah. I'm soaking I mean, in so no much action. of the sadness. Right. Right. right, and if, if there's no action that you yourself can personally take to yeah. do anything about it at that moment, then it's just wasted energy and worrying about something, you know. But you know what you yeah. can do when you step away is you can you can read a romance novel with you a happy romance novel. The end. You can yeah. you can escape for a little yeah. while. It's like with a cowboy with no shirt on. That's like on your front cover. And. <laughs> Thank God for that, right? No, I'm doing the work. That's what I'm doing. 
<laughs> well, tell me, so this is, is this the third or the fourth book of this series? Well, it's the third full-length book, but there's also a okay. novella. Okay, so, so okay. Technically, it's the, fourth, it's the fourth story in the Once Upon a Time in Texas series. Okay. So tell me about the book. Um, well, um, uh, like I said, it's the third um, story, and it takes place in a fictional hill country town in Texas. And in this story, Must Love Cowboys, um, the main character, Alice Martin, she's the librarian for the town. And she's happily, so I love having a librarian, by the way, for my main character. And she's been in all the other books. And dang it, it was really her time to, mm-hmm. um, to have her story told. Anyway, um, she's happily self-partnered. Um, like Emma Watson, and she's not looking for a man. She's very happy. There's nothing in her background. I purposely didn't give her anything in her background to where she has issues that have led her to be single. She just is fine being single because, you know what, that's a normal, natural state to be. But anyway, so she does need a date for an upcoming wedding, and she doesn't have a clue as to who she can ask. And the other main character is Bo Montgomery, and he's a ranch foreman. And he needs a little bit of tutoring for his unaddressed, unaddressed dyslexia. He shares that job with his twin brother, Bryce, who has okay. always kind of helped him hide the difficulties that he has from the unaddressed dyslexia. And Bryce is leaving. He's leaving the ranch, and Bo's going to be on his own. So um, he turns to Alice for um, tutoring. He agrees to be her date for the upcoming wedding, and that gets the gossip mill turning in their small town. So it's a fake romance, which is one of my favorite tropes. And Mm -hmm. Oh, and as an added bonus, um, Bo, Alice used to be Bo's babysitter. (laughs) So she's, (laughs) she's a little bit older than him. It's not a huge age gap. It's not an age gap romance. But she babysat him. She's she's four years older than him. So when she was in high school, she babysat him and his brother. Their parents had a hard time finding babysitters, but Alice never had anything to do on a Saturday night. So I feel like I kind of invented the cowboy falls for his babysitter trope. And um, sure, I'm, I'm I'm happy to have fulfilled that um, mission for everybody. You're welcome. So thank you. <laughs> That's what the story is about, and I realize I rambled. I never do well with that question, even though I always know it's coming. Well, I mean, this sounds adorable, but, I mean, tell me why you made him dyslexic. Um, Well, I'm always looking for um, a way to make my characters vulnerable in a way that they can grow and in a way that they can specifically grow because of, the other person and um I wasn't sure you know I don't I don't plot out my books I just kind of play around until a story forms and so I really wasn't sure what his issue was going to be I knew that his brother was going to be leaving the ranch and that he was going to be on his own and as an identical twin I thought that was kind of you know enough of a of a little bit of a, a a a conflict for him something to give him that he'd have to deal with but right. when I was writing the scene and I had him be a little upset because he, they were in a restaurant 
around a lot of people when he was told this, when his brother just dropped this on him, you know, that that he was going to be leaving. And I had him reach for the check. And in that moment, he had a hard time reading the check. Like he, okay. he revealed that to me. Like I wasn't really planning on that. And I was like, oh, I bet he has dyslexia. And um, I'm sure that that, that that form, because I have a son with dyslexia, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, my oldest son has dyslexia and auditory processing disorder. So I'm really familiar with um, how that affects people's um, self-esteem and their ability to communicate effectively. So anyway, so he, he revealed that to me, but I, I'm sure that, that that's why, you know, every every story we tell has uh, is a result of our life experiences. So, um, but anyway, it worked out to be a great fit for a librarian. Um, sure. To, and, and, and my character is trained in adult literacy programs. So it was just, it was perfect. She's what he needs and he's what she needs. And that, I mean, it's not in a way, a, a, it's, it's a really, it seems like it'd be a really simple match, but like you're saying, someone who has dyslexia, especially when they get to be adults and they've sat there and they're like, they've compensated in other ways. You know, like they're super hard workers, they're great at math, but they're not great at reading, or they're great at reading, but they're not great at numbers. And, you know, they find their compensation, but to to reveal that to someone else as an adult, that's a huge, I mean, that's really trusting to let somebody else know right. what's going on. Yeah, yeah, it's a secret that only he and his twin brother know. But, um, yeah, to, to in our culture, to not be able to read as an adult is um, is a big deal, and it mm-hmm. makes life really difficult. And I and even um, as a child, I know from when my son was in school, like if you can't read by a certain age, it's almost like well then you just can't learn, right? Because now we're yeah. going to learn. Now we've crossed this imaginary line where now we learn these things not by doing anymore but by reading and if you can't do that then then you're just stunted and of course that's not true because you can learn in all kinds of ways and and my son Mm -hmm. did and I'm happy to say he's um he's 26 now and he is an avid reader and of course brilliant person his mom of course um, and you're completely correct when he was when he was expected to be able to read and he couldn't, it's almost like everything else fell apart then. So I can yeah. imagine what that must be like for, for adults who have been able to hide it and still have that sense of, wow, everybody else seems to be able to do this. I should be able to do this. We put so much emphasis on this. And I know right. in our family, we're all really big readers and I'm a writer. So so we also put a lot of emphasis on, on being able to read and then to to have this child who couldn't learn that way really yeah. forced us to be creative so that he could keep growing and keep learning and, and which he did and, and he's an excellent communicator because of it. Well and yeah, my daughter uh, Caitlin growing up, she would it was and the best way I could explain it is she it was like talking to Yoda. You know, because <laughs> she she would have all the correct words. They would just be jumbled in the sentence. And you knew what she was saying. But yeah. it's like you'd say, that, okay, and then she'd say, it's too loud, turn it up. I'm, 
I'm hot, I need a coat. You know, it's like that. And we'd say, well, and we'd explain it, and she'd look at us and she'd nod like, yes, that's what I said. So then we'd turn it up, like turn the volume up. It's like turn it up or turn it down. And she'd say, oh, no, no, turn it down. And so we went through that for pre-K, and we kept saying, you know, um, I kind of think something's off here. And we had her tested multiple times at the school district. You know, you go through that whole song and dance like I know you did. And you start saying something is off. It's, it's, this is a kid who can recite an entire movie after watching it one time. So I know she's, she's got some, I mean, she's working. It's working. It's just, it's not working here. So if she had to read, let's say, the script to Harry Potter or the script to, you know, Aladdin or whatever, she couldn't read it, but she could recite the whole thing because she heard it. So oh, yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. yeah, it took her till sixth grade to get an official diagnosis with me basically jumping up and down and screaming and, and yeah. saying you got to test. I mean, you know, it's just, it's exhausting. And I can see why parents are like, I don't know what to do because it's, it's, yeah. it's exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. So. It is. So, um, yeah, but Joel, uh, my son is, uh, he's training to be a nurse now, but he mm-hmm. did, um, go to film school for a short time and I, he had to write an entire, um, screenplay. And I remember just, looking at that stack of papers and just thinking, wow, I wish I had been able to foresee when he was struggling so much as a little kid that someday he's going to be able to write an entire, you know, screenplay. Yeah. A good one, too. Well, but yeah. Anyway. Yeah, so. I mean, now she's doing great in English of all, of all classes. This is her best class now. And it's just like, That's wow. Amazing. I just, yeah. And yeah, Something it's like flipped. one of those things. I was like, huh. So, but, I mean, you're right, because as adults, it's like, well, why bother? You know, what's the point now? Um, and so how does, how does she get him through that? I mean, does he approach her and say, this is my issue, or does he know he's got dyslexia? Oh, he knows. He was diagnosed, okay. and he and his brother kind of covered it. He was um, trying, you know, he was going through various programs, and um, his parents were taking him to get tutoring in Austin and at, when he was little. And mm-hmm. they found out that um, he couldn't do rodeo club because he was having to go to tutoring. And uh-huh. neither could his brother because they couldn't afford it. So the two of right. them devised a plan where um, his brother would just cover for him. They were identical twins. They weren't usually in the same classes. So they would sit in for each other and his brother did his homework and his brother even wow. took some of his tests and then they they worked on the ranch because their father was the ranch foreman and then they took over his job when their dad retired and so um, he's just been fully dependent on his brother helping him out and then when his brother can't do it any anymore he realized he had to do something to keep the job that he loved his job his, his whole life so right. um, he approaches Alice, and she she happens to need a favor also, so they cut their bargain. They cut their deal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I love that you said he couldn't – he told me about his character, you know, what his issue would be. And, you know, nobody but writers would understand that because everybody else yeah. would be like, so this imaginary person told you – do we need to call someone? I mean, you know, I've had this conversation <laughs> with other people. 
It's like, no, yeah, no. And I'm, like, yeah. <laughs> I'm a really extreme pantser. You know, you know, you as a writer know that term. I write by mm-hmm. the seat of my pants. I don't plot. And so I really, I don't know what they're going to do until they do it. And actually that whole scene changed so much. He doesn't even find out at that point that his brother's leaving, um, that that ends up coming up later. So none of that, nothing about that scene stays the same, except that I show him um, not being able to, to read the bill. But, you know, mm-hmm. you talk about these imaginary people talking to you. I think that that's what's so magical about when a reader finally gets to read what you've written, you know, release day when the book comes out and people start reading for me, especially with this series where it's the same small town, a big Verde where everybody, all my characters live, and this mm-hmm. is like the fourth and final book, it just felt like I could feel people coming back to my town as they were reading. Yeah. And it's like all these invisible people, like I see ghosts or something that only I can talk <laughs> to and interact with. And finally, on this one magical day, all these other people are there looking at, seeing, talking to my imaginary people going in and out of the shops and the stores and the houses. And it's just, it's just pure magic. Like I enjoy, it's enough for me almost just to be with them by myself. But when you get to let other people in, like that's the difference, I guess, between writing just for yourself and really writing for like that shared experience. Oh yeah. It's so what what is big what is um your town like if you had to pick a, a group or a town in Texas what are you kind of what is the kind of the blueprint of it? When I think about what it physically looks like, it looks kind of like Wimberley, Texas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know the um Blanco River goes right through Wimberley and it's just gorgeous and it's a small town and it's also a little bit of a tourist town and that's how big Verde is too. It's a tourist town because of the river um, and it's got wineries and um, swimming holes but when the tourists are gone it's just like this the same group of locals that you know they're all related to each other by marriage one way or the other. Um, right. I, in every book, um, there's always a book club scene. So I've got my active book club, and they read romance books. And there's usually like a wedding scene or a party scene, and then they're always at Tony's Honky Tonk. But this book has a wedding, um, obviously, because Alice is looking for a date. And sure. at the rehearsal dinner, they're talking about the guys are talking about um, how they're related. Why are you at the rehearsal dinner? Are you related to the bride or the groom? And they go into how they're related. You know, their aunt on their mom's side is cousins with the sister of the blah, blah, blah. And then they talk about, you know, what kind of relation is it? Is it like a full set of China relation or is it like a hand towel relation? Right. I, I grew up in a small town, so I know, and I still live in that small town. So I know how that goes. And um, I, I think it's fun to show that side of small-town life to people who maybe haven't actually lived it. Right. And um, writing this character just gives you a chance to, like, make the town itself kind of a character in the story. And that's how I think of my town. It's like its own separate – it's like a character. 
Right. I mean, and people are going, oh, I know where that is. I mean, I it, it's interesting because I've used a couple of small towns and kind of combined them, but it's fun when I've driven through or get to walk around again. It's like, oh, and that would be where so-and-so works, and that would be where, you know, yeah. it's like, <laughs> <Yeah>. like <laughs> in my town, I'm going to take that and just put plop it right there. Yeah, um, and it's, it's just really cool because you can, like you're saying, you can envision and then you can share that. And, um, yeah, it is fun creating that own little universe that you get yeah, to share with your readers. People, yeah, and the mm-hmm. people in my in, in my imaginary town were kind of similar to the people in the town I grew up in, but then the location is in the hill country. So I took, mm-hmm. you know, my people, my human element, and plopped it in a really prettier setting. <laughs> and yeah. when I'm, whenever I'm working on a book, I like to go stay in Wimberley. We rent a little house on the river and um, – go on into town and and I do that I'm like oh that that restaurant is like the corner cafe and kind of immerse myself in it and Wimberley is just a pretty pretty little hill country town love it well it's grown a lot I mean I you know I was in I was born in Austin in the 60s late 60s and then we would we had friends who lived way back in there when it was all you know just the artist community and hippieville or whatever you want to call it um and um and then you know we we kept moving back and forth and you'd see it grow every time so you know you had dripping springs which was like you had to know how to get to dripping springs to get there and now it's it's like major place for people to have weddings and um Mm -hmm. you know it's just a hop skip and a jump to ut you know university of texas or or texas state um, I mean, that whole area has just exploded, and yet it still yeah. keeps a lot of that charm, that quietness of it all. Yeah. Thank goodness. I hope it always does. Yeah. Well, I know a lot of people live there and drive into Austin for work now because you can yeah. because you have, like, really good roads to do so, whereas before That's it was all like back where- roads. Yeah, there you can get there easier. But where we live, people um, I don't live in the city, but people here drive into San Antonio to work. So right, right. So, so like, this town from this, our ranch, I can be to downtown San Antonio in twenty minutes. Oh, that's not bad at all. Uh, yeah, so so it's kind of nice. I'm I'm definitely out in the country, be in town really quick. Well, I was laughing. So my nephew um, is going, looks like he got in, he got it, he did get in to um, a college on the East Coast. And so my brother, um, you know, my brother, his his uncle, um, we were talking. He's like, oh, yeah, he's not going to be that far from me, only like six hours. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's not bad. And I was laughing because I said, you know, that shows that we're from Texas. Because if you had told someone on the East Coast, oh, yeah, it's only six hours. It's not, it's not that far. And they're like, six hours? Yeah. like I can't said, even oh, get yeah, out of Texas in six hours. It's not far. Yeah. <laughs> I know. And we, 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 we think nothing of driving, like, to Houston, because my daughter's a dancer, and if she has an audition in Houston, like, we drive to Houston, she does audition, and, like, we drive home. And yeah. people in other states are like, did you get a hotel? I'm like, no. <laughs> no. Got Why? it early in the morning, drove to Houston, and then we come drive back. Oh, wow. So you've got this series wrapped up. Is there – what's next on your to-be-written pile? Um, well, this is 
yeah, this is the last book in the series. So right now I'm just kind of playing around um, with some rom-com ideas. And okay. hopefully I'll have a book coming out in 2022. That's okay. my goal anyway. So um, I don't think I'm going to write another cowboy series. Like that's just not where – the stories that are popping up for me right now aren't cowboy series. So um, so I'm not really sure what's next, but I'm looking forward to playing around with it and finding out. Right. I mean, I, I think, well, the characters you come up with and and the the way you write them, I have no doubt whatever you write will be fantastic and fun. And you've got such a fun sense of humor. Um, I, I could totally see you creating something really amazing would would you ever write like a screenplay or um anything like that oh i would love to do that and i'm i'm sometimes i'm i'm sad that i didn't start out trying to do that when i was a lot younger because Mm -hmm. um because i really think that um i'd like to work with kind of a largish cast of characters when i write my stories and I think I would have loved to to work on something like that and one of my readers actually two readers uh recently have said that um my book reminds them of a cowboy version of Schitt's Creek oh yeah I'd love to have worked on like a little show like that as a writer yeah so Mm -hmm. fun and also I'm like a collaborator like I I'm an extrovert and I think working, like, on a show, writing with other writers would just be so fun versus the lonely, um, you know, task of writing a book by yourself. Yeah. During a global I, pandemic, yeah. especially. Right. right. I mean, I can't, I, I've watched different shows, and you just sit there and go, I would love to have, I would have loved to have been in the writer's room to plot right? out the year, so like the whole fun. season. Like, okay, this is the arc we're going with. And then these are all the points we're going to hit, um, you know, mm-hmm. and all this crazy stuff. It's it's would just be fascinating to sit down and write Plus this kind of just, stuff. They just seem like weird kind of people, and I think those are my kind of people. Like <laughs> a minute ago when you were saying, oh, you're just so funny. And I'm like, yeah, except for when I'm not. Like, I, I'm, like, awkwardly funny at times. Like, people aren't always laughing with me. Um, and, and the sad thing is I don't really even care which it is as long as I get a laugh. But um, I'm real hit or miss with the jokes, right? Like sometimes people just give you that look and you realize, oh, wow, that's really only funny to some very small subset of weird people. And um, I feel like if I was in a writer's room on like a, a comedy show, like those, those would finally be my people. That yeah. Would, um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, Schitt's me. Creek Finally, is brilliant. Yeah. Me. Well, I mean, Schitt's Creek was brilliant. And then I've also started, I oh, mean, I'm brilliant. way behind the curve here because I had little kids when everything started coming out. So I, I finished all of Schitt's Creek, and then I finished, I started watching Grace and Frankie. Finally. Oh, I love that show so much. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> the, the situations they put those two women in, it's like, who, who yeah. decided this? <laughs> They are so funny. They're so funny. And, you know, both of those shows, the characters are really over the top. Yeah. And um, so you can't pull that off real easily. Like, sometimes it's just too much, and it's 
too much slapstick and it's too unbelievable and they're too big. And yeah, both of those shows could have gone that way and still hold it off brilliantly. Mm-hmm. Like their characters are over the top and you still believe that they're real. Well, and I think we've all met at least one. I mean, I was telling my mom, I said, okay, now when you watch this movie, this watch Shit's Creek, you've met every single person in this town. You've met them. Um, yeah. And she was like, oh, okay, this is a little worrisome. I said, well, you know, they're the good ones. But, I mean, it's just you've met all these people. We're probably related to a lot of these people. It, and, and that's what's kind of fun about it because anybody can watch that and go, oh, yeah, I know that person. Oh, yeah, that's my uncle and that's my aunt and that's my cousin and that's my, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah, I gave yeah. them dish towels. Except, I gave them china. The you know? kind of, the personalities are really kind of expanded, though. Like they're, they're like, you know, steroids. Like, yeah, they're so over the top, and and like with Shift Creek characters, the, I actually took me a while to to get into it because yeah. they're, they're not really really very likable people, and they're super super shallow, and right. um, and they kind of stay that way through the whole thing. But what's so great about Dan Levy's writing is at some point you start rooting for them, and you can't really point out exactly where it happened. Yeah. But you become totally invested in their happiness and success, even though they pretty much keep their same. They have, they have an arc, they have some growth, but they still keep their same character. And I think that, I think it's just brilliant. I think he's brilliant. He's he's an adorable human being, but I, he's a really brilliant writer. And I've been so happy to see him get the recognition he deserves for oh, pulling yeah. off that show. It's oh, yeah. So great. I think and too I've been that yeah. So much TV, like I'm embarrassed by, like I never <laughs> watch TV. I was always a little smug about it too, you know. Like people be talking about shows, and I was that obnoxious person saying, "Well, I just don't have time for that. I don't watch TV." You know, I have five kids, and but I tell you what, 2020 was my year to hunker down and watch TV, and I did a lot of it. Yeah, and um, I have I have a newfound respectism. Yeah. It's yeah. It's I hadn't watched a lot either. I mean, I would you know watch movies or whatever, and of course we're a Marvel you know MCU family, so we were just like sucking up all that. But I mean, yeah, I, I started sitting down going, you know, I love superheroes, but I really need to just laugh a lot right now. And yeah. um, I had had friends talk about you know Frankie and Grace and um, Schitt's Creek and some others like Arrested Development. I hadn't watched it, and um, I love Arrested and I, Development. And watching it, it was like, oh, this is so nice just to be able to escape in these absurdly ridiculous people. Um, and, yeah, they're over the top. And and working in nursing, and I know you've, you've met them too, but it's like we all know these people exist. We may not necessarily know them personally, um, but they're similar to people we do know, uh, similar enough. Um, and I think that's what – pulled me in um some of it but yeah some of it was just like you've got to be kidding me you know um but yeah (laughs) because you can only watch so much so many animated shows like i just yeah i mean i love pixar but (laughs) david and patrick are such a great pairing of opposites attract so such a great pairing loved it loved it loved it 
I actually started using um, a little bit of Lexus as the alarm if my kids wouldn't get up in the morning. So I had it (laughs) on my phone. (laughs) And so I would just stand downstairs and turn it on really loud. And, and, you know, by about the second chorus, you could hear them go, la, 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 la. (laughs) And they're like, turn it off, la, 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 la. (laughs) Yeah. Like, all right, everyone's awake. that mom i am i'm not sure my kids would would uh laugh over that well they're just not good they're not good at waking up but neither am i so it's okay that's okay <laughs> that's okay yeah yeah i hate so, waking up and my husband said and i never remember saying it but apparently like when i wake up every morning i i just i just have like such a potty mouth like i just just an expletive just comes out. That's the first thing that comes out upon opening my eyes. And that was even before 2020. Like, that was just me in a good year. So, yeah. <laughs> nice. Well, I remember reading um, an article years ago about George Burns, and they said the first thing he did every morning was wake up and, like, scream a good F-bomb. And then he that, – <laughs> that's how he <laughs> – Well, I like – something in common with George Burns. I know. I love that. I love that. Because that is exactly what I do. That's exactly what I do, according to my husband. He's like, it's just so sweet the way you say that every morning before you've even opened your eyes. It's like I just open my eyes, consciousness descends, and it just pisses me off or something. I don't know. And I'm fine with some us. But, yeah. So what is on your to-be-read pile, or what book have you read recently that you would recommend? I just finished, and it's an early copy, so I feel super special. But I just finished Alexis Hall's latest book, Rosalind mm-hmm. Parker Takes the Cake. Oh, so I cute. saw that. Uh, yeah. I she wrote that beautiful so Christmas book they made into a Hallmark movie, Um well, she had the book out, obviously, and then they made it into a movie uh, with Ryan Peavy. What was it? Um, the Christmas, like the travel and time thing? Who, wait, who, who, who did that? Alexis Hall, didn't she? Well, Alexis Hall is, is, is a man. So oh, he that's wrote, not it. You're thinking, of a different, you're thinking of a different Alexis. Alexis Hall, um, he wrote boyfriend material. Oh, that's right. That's with, right. You're right. Okay. Mm-hmm. And um, now he's got a second rom-com, which is, is like a, a baking show themed called uh, Rosalind Parker Takes the Cake. And That cover's gorgeous. It, yes. And I, it's so gorgeous that I even, um, I even Instagram staged a picture. That's what I did, Patricia. And that is, I'm not really good at that. Um, but I have these big, bright red clown glasses that I wear that I love, and the cover of that book is red. So I put my red glasses on. I even put, like, a little red kerchief thing on my hair, and I staged a picture with that book cover because it's so cute. I love it. That was my so I'm sure I did that your big splurge? copies for Alexis with that picture. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Oh, I love it. Well, I mean, I just, I love seeing so many, so much representations coming out. And I, and I know that that's, it's long overdue. Um, But I truly 
love seeing so many voices of yeah, of, and I, of writers. Uh, yeah, you're right. It's so so long overdue, and um, I know with my kids, what they read, their their reads are so much more diverse than mm-hmm. um, like what I was reading at their age and like that's naturally what they gravitate to that that's what they like and um what was the other there was another really popular rom-com oh red white and royal blue yes that um mm-hmm. was and that's really what got um my daughter into reading rom-coms was, was oh, that wow. book and it was really cute, too. But I love Boyfriend Material. But I read Alexis before he wrote Boyfriend Material. He had some other books out that are just, you know, he's just freaking funny. And he's British, so that just automatically makes and um, funnier and <laughs> more clever and more adorable in every way. So, anyway, that's my that's, – I just finished it yesterday, and I don't even know – what I'm going to read next. I have a really huge pile of unread books, both paperback and on my Kindle. And I'm heading I'm heading out on a little vacation next week, so I'm going to see how many of them I can get read in three I days. I love it. Yeah. Just kind of step away and 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 escape into your into your uh, alternate universe since you've now given everyone else an alternative universe. So yeah, when you're to step writing, into. you know, mm-hmm. at least when I'm writing um, hardcore, I don't read as much as I'd like to. And, you know, of course, most of writers I know, the reason we write is because we love to read. So mm-hmm. it's kind of weird that then when we're writing so heavily, we don't get to do what we love as much. So when I'm between books, that's really a time for me to get back into to what caused me to write in the first place, which was reading. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you, when do you think you'll start working on your next project? Are you going to give yourself a couple months or um, do you have some ideas that you're jotting down? Well, yeah, I've already, I've already, I mean, I, I started working on them. If, if what my early stages, um, if anybody could actually call what I do work, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, never not, percolating ideas like right I'm I never fully have both feet in the real world so I'm kind of always daydreaming and writing and imagining and um eventually it will um turn into something so but I really um I I I've had some proposals put together so I I have been working but I don't know when anything, you know, I'm between contracts. I don't have a contract right now. So okay. I don't know when, once, once I get a contract, then I'll have a deadline and then I'll be um, hardcore working. What, what feels more like um, work anyway as to what right. I'm doing now. So. <laughs> well, I appreciate you so much. Will you come back and talk to us again when you've got your next project yeah. out or if you just want to swing by and say hello? I would love to, and you're one of the few brave souls that actually has interviewed me twice. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I consider we probably message each other. I I have no idea, but um, yeah, so I will gladly do you anytime. 
Oh, I love it. Well, I would love for you to come back, so please keep me posted. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. If everyone's been listening, this is Patricia W. Fisher, and I've been talking to Carly Bloom. Her latest book, Must Love Cowboys, is out now. If you want to connect with Carly, you can find her at her website, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Goodreads, and BookBub. And um, she recommends this amazing book by Alexis Hall. Um, And, of course, I had it just now, and I will say it just here. Here we go. Um, (laughs) That's a fabulous roundup and ending to my show today. Um, Rosalind Palmer (laughs) takes the cake. So after you read Carly's book, you can read Alexis Hall and his book, so this has been Patricia W. Fisher with Readers Entertainment Radio. And also, everybody, it was just National Nurses Week. Please, if you know someone in the medical field, please tell them thank you. Send them a text or call them or, you know, whatever, because they've been working their butts off in this past year, more so than normal. So a lot going on. And everybody, please stay safe and keep on reading. This show brought to you by Circle of Seven Productions www.cosproductions.com Please be sure to subscribe and welcome to our circle.